Good morning. Today's reading is from John 10, 1 through 6. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Shelby. Those of you who, don't, uh, who haven't been coming or just started coming lately, Shelby and her family have been worshiping with us for, I think it's, it's a year now, about a year. Gosh, that's amazing. Um, Mom and Dad, Paul and Valerie, she has a sister, Audrey, in college. Shelby's a senior at Portsmouth Christian Academy. Um, and you may recognize her because her family has led worship here a couple weeks ago, and we'll do so again in the coming months. Thank you. Uh, pray with me as we look at the scriptures. Uh, Lord, you are a God of words. You are the word. So teach us this morning what it means to listen to your word and to listen to you. Would you nourish us? Would you transform us? Would you build us up, shape us, knock off the rough edges if you have to so we can be more and more like you in your beautiful world? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we're going to take a short break over the next three weeks. If you've been with us for the past couple of months, uh, you know that we've been slowly marching our way through the New Testament letter of James. Uh, I had thought at first when I planned that, that sermon series and way back in February that that was going to be a seven-week series, uh, and we've taken seven weeks to get through 18 verses. So we're really slowing down. Sometimes you just got to come up for air, so we're going to come up for a little bit of air. Um, but that's important because the first chunk of James, the first seven weeks, were really all about suffering. It was a real downer of a couple of months for us. Uh, how do we suffer well? And these are actually really important questions to ask because um, Christianity is not a bury your head in the sand kind of faith. A lot of times people think, oh, I'll become a Christian and everything will just be great and happy. And sometimes you talk to Christians or churchgoers and they say, everything's great. Everything's great. What's that... Um, you know that old, uh, at the cross, at the cross, at the da-da-da, now I am happy all the day. No, I'm not, okay? And my guess is if you're honest, you're thinking like, no, I'm really not. The beauty of Christianity is it's not, a, it's not an escapist faith. In fact, it deals painfully with the pain in the world, and yet it deals redemptively with the pain in the world. So it's important to take some time and address suffering, because we all suffer, and to, and to try to just avoid it, we know is an exercise in futility. So we've talked about how do you suffer? How do you suffer well? What do you do when, when you're following Jesus and you're doing all the right things and life doesn't get easier, but it actually gets harder? What do you do there? Now, the next three weeks are actually kind of a, a spinoff of this. We're going to imagine for three weeks something that are called contemplative spiritual practices. Um, this is new for me. Uh, this is just something that I've begun learning more about over the past year. So for the next three weeks, I'm really a student alongside you, and I'm, you know, I'm just teaching you what I've been learning very, very recently. We call them spiritual practices 
because uh, there are things we do, but just like any practice, like a musician practices her scales, or like an athlete practices her sport, or like a, and we even say physicians and lawyers practice their, their um, profession, uh, you got to keep doing it. <laughs> and if you don't use it, you lose it. So the more you do it, the more you grow, and the stronger you get, and the more proficient you get. We call them contemplative because they involve contemplation. Now, this is going to really be countercultural in the sense that, con- I mean, we know it. contemplation is slow. It's not linear. How does your, how does your, does anybody, is anybody's mind honestly linear? We want them to be. But if we could somehow map how our minds work, they're all over the place. Contemplation is uncertain a lot of times. I mean, if you're contemplating something, that means you don't understand it, right? It takes a lot of humility even to start contemplating anything, really, because you have to admit that you're, you're more of a student than a teacher. Uh, contemplation is less of a microwave and it's more of a crockpot. And again, their practice is because you're never really done. You never really arrive at the contemplative practices. Now, this, is gonna, this drives me nuts, and it's going to drive some of you nuts. If you like to figure something out and master it and then move on to the next thing, you're always on the journey. And yet, the more we practice, the stronger we get. In other words, when we talk about practices, we're going to, so practices mean like there are certain things we do. As we talk about doing things, you're not going to master this, certainly not in a matter of a week or two. You're not going to hear a, a quick little sermon and, okay, I'm going to do that, I'm going to start doing it, and it'll be good to go and, and on to the next thing. No, this is, um, is going to take a lifetime in a sense. This is more of opening a door uh, to a whole new world than it is to figure something out, master it, and move on. But the beauty is that these practices will shape you into the kind of person who suffers well. You see, we've been talking about the importance of suffering well, and you might be asking, how do I do that? Now, these aren't exactly going to answer that, but they're going to kind of come around at it, maybe through the back door, and they'll begin to shape you if you embrace these into the type of person who's able to suffer well, into the type of person whose life is, is kind of a breath or a whisper of the life of Jesus. It might be helpful to think of these things less as an activity, as something you just do for a discrete period of time, and more as a posture, more as a lifestyle. We're going to think about three contemplative practices for the next couple of weeks. And Pastor Chris is going to preach on something that he knows very little about, so buckle up. (laughs) This morning we're asking, what does it mean to listen? What does it mean to listen? And of course, specifically, we're asking, what does it mean to listen for God? You might specify, if you, if you like more rigid categories, you might call this something like listening prayer. But I kind of prefer just listening because, again, remember, we're not just talking about an activity. We're talking about a posture and a lifestyle. And besides, listening prayer is kind of redundant because it's probably fair to say that all listening is prayer. And it might be fair to say that all prayer is listening. All listening is prayer, and all prayer is listening. But if it helps you to have that category, then then by all means. What does it mean to be somebody who listens 
for God. Not as an activity, but as a posture, as a lifestyle. We're going to ask three questions just to help frame, again, this isn't really linear. We're, we're just kind of bathing in this. Three questions from John 10, which shall be read, which is all about listening. One, do you recognize the shepherd's voice? Number two, are you listening for the shepherd's voice? Number three, will you let the shepherd lead you? Do you recognize his voice? Are you listening for his voice? Will you let the shepherd lead you? The story, these six verses Jesus tells in John 10, are, they're called a parable. A parable is kind of a story with a trajectory. The thing about parables, especially when Jesus tells them, is they're meant not so much to help you understand something better. That's kind of the goal, but he does it by helping you to understand something worse. In other words, parables are usually Jesus' way of saying, you think God's kingdom is like this, but it's not like this at all. It's all about blowing up our misconceptions and our preconceptions. They're kind of, I mean, they're constructive, but they're constructive through destruction, you might say. In John 10, Jesus talks about sheep and a shepherd. We're really going to focus on verses 3, 4, and 5, which say this again. The sheep listen to the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they'll never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him, from a stranger, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. What does it mean to become someone who listens for God? First question, do you recognize the shepherd's voice? Of course, the shepherd is a metaphor for God. Would you know God's voice if you heard it? You notice the sheep follow the shepherd, and in in verse 5, Jesus says, we're going to come back to this, but I want to make note of it. Jesus says the sheep flee from every other voice. Now, of course, the goal, I mean, you can put two and two together. The goal is to follow the voice of Jesus and to flee from the other seductive voices around you. But before you can even get to that point, you have to make sure the voice, because we're all following some voice, you have to make sure the voice you're following is the right one. How do you recognize if the voice you're following is the right one? The sheep only follow the shepherd whose voice they know. What is the voice of God like? you heard it? A lot of times we think the voice of God is thunderous. Remember um, uh, the voice of God in in the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston? Moses. Right? Every single, I defy you, show me a, a pop culture or any media portrayal of God, of the voice of God, that doesn't sound like Morgan Freeman. First Kings 19, the Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is about to pass by. Imagine that God just told you, I'm going to pass by you, okay? And then a great and powerful wind, that's a hurricane, tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks, that's a hurricane, before the Lord. 
but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, the gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? In context of that story, the voice probably said, what are you doing here, Elijah? <laughs> God wasn't in the hurricane. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the inferno. He was in a gentle whisper. The, um, the Hebrew for that gentle whisper is hard to translate, but the most literal translation, which I like the best, is a thin silence. Uh, ancient Jews were masters of poetry. We think God is in a thunderclap. Bam! You just woke up. <laughs> but God isn't in the thunderclap. He's in a thin You recognize the voice of God? Is it, is it the voice that you expect to hear? Back in John, Jesus says this, the sheep know, they know the shepherd's voice. So do you recognize it? Can you, can you, dis, in other, can you discern the voice of the shepherd from the voice of a deceiver, of a robber who's trying to steal? Because he says there are robbers trying to steal the sheep, but they'll only follow their shepherd. Can you discern it, Chris? I'm not sure I can. Well, again, just like anything, the more you practice something, the better you get at it. We have a, um, a seven-week-old baby, and at first, those of you who've had a baby, you know that every cry sounds identical, and it's infuriating. You try everything, and I've got a, like a little acronym that helps me make sure I've tried everything and I'm not forgetting something. And um, Seven weeks in, we've got a better idea. We hear a certain cry and we know that probably means she's hungry. A different cry means she just, she just wants to be held. Different cry means she needs a new diaper. How do, how do we know? Like, I, I can't, I, there's no formula. We just, we've just heard her voice a lot. She didn't give us much choice in this case, but we're listening for her voice. And the more we listen for her more voice, the more we hear it and understand it and know it. The more you Listen. The more you practice, the more you repeat. And that gets us to the second question. Are you listening for the shepherd's voice? It's not just enough to know the shepherd's voice, but if God's voice really is a thin silence, then you can't just be waiting for the thunderclap. You have to listen for it. You, like, you, can't, you can't not notice an earthquake. You can't not notice a hurricane. Some of you have lived through earthquakes and hurricanes. You can't not notice a blazing inferno. But oh, how easy it is to miss the thin silence. Which means if you want to hear it, you have to listen for it. You have to make space. If you never spend time quietly, patiently, unhurriedly, intentionally listening for God's voice, don't be surprised if you feel like you never hear it. We actually want it to be the thunderclap, don't we? 
We want it to be obvious. I do. You don't have to work to hear, hear the thunderclap. You don't have to, it makes itself heard. You have to work, don't you? Especially in the busyness and the noise, literally and metaphorically in our world today, you have to work to hear the thin silence. I mean, there are noises that you can control and you've got to work to put those out of sight and out of mind and not let them distract you. And then there are noises you can't control. There's other stuff just pouring into your life and you have to find a way to distance yourself from that and shut your, like it's just, and they creep in again and they distract. Boy, this is hard. You see? Remember Jesus tells this parable, it's about a flock of sheep. You think a flock of sheep is quiet? You ever been around hundreds of sheep? Just constant, bah, bah, and they all sound identical and you can't tell what's what and it's work. There's so much noise around us, isn't there? Do you recognize the shepherd's voice? Are you listening for it? Third question, will you let the shepherd lead you? Um, those of you who are uh, new, and it's a lot of you, um, about a year and a half ago, a member of our church died. His name was Ramsey Michaels. He was a New Testament professor, a scholar. He wrote a commentary. Uh, he wrote several commentaries on John. One of them was a thousand pages. Um, just brilliant and godly and really lovely man. He wrote this about this section. He says, everywhere else in John 10, to hear is to heed and to follow. In other words, hearing the voice of God and following the voice of God are inseparable. You can't talk about listening for the shepherd's voice without talking about letting the shepherd's voice lead you. I mean, think about it this way. If you were to hear the voice of God and then not follow it, well, that's just what it, that's rebellion, I guess. <laughs> Again, verse 5, the sheep will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from the stranger. Why? Because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Notice what Jesus is saying here. Sheep follow one voice, only one. They have one shepherd. Some commentators think, uh, based on what we know about ancient times, that the, you know, the sheep are in a pen and the, the image is there in a kind of a gate. It's actually a low stone wall. And they think there were probably multiple flocks that had multiple shepherds in one of those enclosures for the night. So if you're a sheep and I'm a sheep and you belong to Jim the shepherd and I belong to Steve the shepherd, it's very important that when Steve calls, you don't come. You see? Because you belong to Jim. The sheep know the shepherd's voice and they flee from all other voices. We all follow a voice, Jesus is saying. Whether or not you think you do, like you, Jesus says you do. You, you follow something or someone, or that's not in question. So the question is, whom do you follow? Whose voice are you listening for? What's the first thing you do in the morning? You wake up, you shut off the alarm, Check your email, check the news, check the weather, check your social media, check the markets. It's a clue. 
I'm not saying it's definitive, but that might be a clue about whose voice you're following. Because you can only follow one voice. Jesus says you'll follow one and you will flee from all others, which means that if you think you can follow another voice and Jesus, says, Jesus says you can't. He says you're either following me or you're fleeing from me. There is no in-between. You may think you have, but that other voice is a deceiver lying to you, making you think you can follow me and Jesus. It's okay. And Jesus says, if you're not following me, you will flee from me. There's no middle ground. There's no such thing as kind of following Jesus. There's no such thing as casually following Jesus. There's no such thing as a casual Christian, Jesus says. You see why? Because a casual Christian, someone who follows Jesus when it's convenient or when it, when it suits them or when it's not too demanding, Jesus says, you're actually not a, you're no Christian at all. Elsewhere, Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. In Revelation 3, he says to the church, in Revelation, um, I think it's 3 and 4, um, Jesus talks to, to seven different churches, churches in seven different cities, there's a very famous part at a church in Laodicea, which is an ancient city, where he says this. He says, I know your deeds. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. But you're lukewarm. Jesus says, if you're not explicitly following me, you will flee from me. We get a clue in, in verse 6. If you read a little bit before this in um, John 9, we know Jesus is talking to Pharisees. In this, Pharisees are religious. They're very religious people. They claim to follow God, but their lives don't really back it up. Notice, do you notice how the, the verse it ends kind of on a depressing note? What shall be read? Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. What does it look like to listen for the shepherd? To not be like the Pharisees. In some sense, the answers are easy, like you, you know them. I'll give a couple of reminders. I don't think the problem is that we don't know. I think the problem is we don't practice. Because remember, this is, this is, these are practices. And the more you practice something, the better you get at it. Let me, let me emphasize first that listening is Intentional. You listen better when you set aside time to listen. I know a, a lot of people, and I've, I've said the same thing. Oh, I can, I can listen, I can pray, I can do the... Anytime. And yes, you can. You can pray in the car on the way to work. You can pray while you're taking a walk. You can do this, that, or the other. What would it say about your relationship with somebody else if you only took time to listen to them when you were doing something else? You see? If you're, if you're married and you said, honey, I love you, and I, lo- I love to listen to you in the car. But you never took time to just sit down and listen and give your full attention to her. What would it look like if, if with your kids, if you have kids, or your best friend, if you have a close friend, you said, I would, I would love to just do stuff, to, let's just do stuff together, but you never actually took time to to just be together. What would that say about your relationship? Take time. I would urge you just a, a couple, and again, this isn't anything new. Most of these are pretty obvious. 
I would urge you to find a way to start your day by listening to and for God. Are there exceptions? Yes. Is this Bible? No. But we all know, just from experience, right, the way you start your day is the way the rest of your day goes. If you start your day busy, the rest of your day will be busy. If you start your day by looking at whatever, the rest of your day will be dominated by that thing. It's almost like your, um, your life is a, is a bucket. If, imagine your life as a bucket, and, and you can only fill a bucket up so much, and then it's just, there's no more room. So if you fill your bucket first thing with something else, with Facebook, at some point there's no room for listening. It's not that you don't want to. You, have, I know, you want to. I know you do. I want to. How, you start our, how we start our day is, is how the rest of the day goes a lot of times. That may mean getting up earlier, which may mean going to bed earlier. Two, very practically, I'd say in the, when you're doing this, don't mess with anything that has a screen. The, the screens will just suck, whether it's your smartphone or whether there's a TV on in the background or whatever that is. It will suck your attention away. I know you can read the Bible on your phone But what happens when you start thinking about that email you need to send or the friend who sends you a text message? Three, you might consider adding a ritual to the process. I find in the the mornings when I'm just spending time with the Lord, I light a couple of candles. There's nothing magical or mystical about it. It's more about how if I just do the same thing over and over it, eventually it shapes me and it takes my heart a certain place. You'll notice I'm not telling you how to listen. (laughs) Sure, of course, prayer is part of that. Of course, studying the scriptures and listening for him in the scriptures is part of that. But I'm I'm less concerned with method, more concerned with really desire. You might start very explicitly by just saying, God, I'm listening. What would happen if you just said, God, I'm listening, and you spent five minutes, ten minutes, 20 minutes in silence. Do you get 5 or 10 or 20 minutes in silence ever in the day where you're not doing something else? Where you're not straightening up your cupboards or whatever? Lastly, I would just say, when, when you get distracted, not if you get distracted, when you get distracted, just gently guide yourself back. You can give it to God. God, I mean, you see, you know. <laughs> you know, I started thinking about the Red Sox or whatever. Lord, help me to listen for you. And what you'll probably find, if this is new to you, what you'll probably find is you get distracted a lot at the beginning. And maybe 90% of your time is spent in distraction. But if you keep at it and you keep practicing, it gets less and less and less. You may wonder, how do I know if what I'm hearing is actually God's voice? Chris, you asked, do you recognize the shepherd's voice? That's a great question. Uh, I'll I'll just say this. Um, If you hear something from God, you think, that doesn't line up with something in the Bible, you didn't hear the voice of God. Um, That means you have to know what's in the Bible, know more and more and more about it, and maybe that's motivation to to just learn more. Again, it's not perfect. If you don't know, ask somebody. Ask somebody who does know a lot. I'm sensing this. But remember, this is a lifelong process. It's an activity. It's a lifestyle. It's a posture. 
We listen for the shepherd's voice, ultimately because, do you notice what Jesus said? The shepherd knows his sheep too. It's not a one-way relationship where the sheep just know the shepherd's voice and they just do blindly whatever he says and just suck it up and deal with it. No, the shepherd knows his sheep and calls them by name. God's not looking for rote obedience. He's looking for a delightful relationship with you. Jesus Christ loves you. Like we said in the children's story, he made you and made you beautiful, and he wants to delight in that relationship with you. Will you listen for his voice? I want to try... um, We can talk a lot about something, but if we're talking about practice, let's practice. Um, Let's take five minutes right now. That's a long time, but like that's going to get uncomfortable. (laughs) Just call it right now. But let's just try. Five minutes. And you don't even have to be talking or praying the whole time. You could just listen. Lord, I'm listening, like Doran urged you to do at the beginning of the service. Five minutes to just listen and see what he might say. See where he might lead you. We'll close in singing in five minutes.